Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Debit card users, listen up. You've worked hard for your money. Now it's time to make it work even harder for you. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can get cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Earn on things like gas, groceries, and even that midday latte. And to top it off, there are no fees, period. Yep, that means you won't be charged fees on your checking account. Transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank. Member FDIC. I think it was important to tell the story. For five years, I was pretty quiet. I just went finding myself and traveling and (laughs) spending time with my therapist. But (laughs) (laughs) I felt that it was important to tell the story. I thought that it was important. And yeah, it is important for my healing. It has helped so much. Good. And when people, you know, ask about it, I'm like, okay, now I have this... I have the story in exactly the way I would want to tell it, and here it is for mm-hmm. anyone who wants to know. I also think Hef controlled the narrative for 70 years, so tightly controlled the narrative. I think that other voices are important, especially v- female voices from that place. Mm-hmm. I do think the, the whole Playboy Mansion thing is like this crazy experience. It was pre-Me Too. It was just almost like, an ex- like a social experiment. Mm-hmm. It was so interesting. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. Crystal, how are you sitting here right now? My goodness. (laughs) (laughs) No pressure. (laughs) I guess 2008. Okay. I was a college student and doing some modeling on the side. And and a a friend I modeled with, she said, do you want to submit your photos to go to a party at the Playboy Mansion? Right. (laughs) Yes. And being just kind of young and secure, I, I didn't think they'd ever pick me, but I submitted my photos and I got chosen to... Okay, wait. I got, we already have to stop because I already have questions. So to go to a party there, it was like 
Oh, was it to work at a party there? Or no, was it just you like have to be, be approved just to attend. Okay, I went to a party at the Playboy Mansion once, and I definitely was not approved. I was just like some random... It was when I worked in the movie industry, and we had a premiere party there. And it was just like, you got to go, and there were all these beautiful girls hanging out at the party. You were one of the beautiful girls. Is that right? <laughs> I don't know. What, okay. what year were you there? Oh, I have no idea. It was like for... Oh, some movie that would have made sense to have an after party at the Playboy Mansion, but it was like Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, or something. yeah, something Miramax did that was like broy, and that's why broy. We that's what yeah. good. That's <laughs> a good way to explain it. So you yeah. submit to go to the Playboy Mansion, which I would like to say I dare anybody. I, if you get invited, you're like I kind of want to see what's going on. Yeah, you do. It's, it's something that you know you hear about. Yeah. And you're curious. Yes. And especially, you know, I was just in San Diego, which is a slower life yeah. and pace and had a kind of turbulent <laughs> childhood and was a little bit feeling a little lost in the world. And yeah, it was the perfect uh, opportunity, I think. Yeah. So, so you get you get picked. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. And how old are you at this point? 21. All right. So you're 21 years old. You get picked. And are you like pumped? Are you nervous? Like, how are you feeling? I was nervous, um, but my very extroverted friend that I modeled with was my buddy to go with. Yeah. So she got selected as well. So off we went. So it's literally like going to a club and the bouncer is letting the really beautiful women go in without paying. Like you got to go to a party. That's all you're doing is just going to a party to hang out and have fun. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's a little, it was a little more involved in the way that you have to get selected. Okay. And once I got to the parking garage, it was like the UCLA parking garage and everyone gets shuttled to the Shut mansion. Up. Okay. <laughs> and I'm like yes. parking in the parking garage. It was a Halloween party. I'm dressed as a French maid. I'm freezing because it's like the skimpy French maid. And they take a picture of you while you're in the garage as well, a Polaroid like smile. Yeah. And I realized later that Hef rates those like Shut A, up. B, C, or D. The A's get invited to the parties and the, and the B's. And then if some of the B's can't come, they go to the C's and down to the D. Wild. Okay. Horrible, yeah. right? Yeah. Looking but back. also if you think about it, it, it tracks with what the organization was like picking beautiful women. To, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So it's there's somewhere <laughs> there's a whole bunch of Polaroids with the alphabet on them. I think they still exist somewhere. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we make it to the party. The shuttle brings us to the Playboy Mansion, just driving up. You know, I, I, we didn't have any money growing up and it was like apartment to apartment. And, you know, I, I'm driving to this place and it, it is like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, yeah. Willy Wonka. You show up and it's magical, the whole place. It's a beautiful house, like an English Tudor style home on five acres in the middle of Los Angeles. And it was just beautiful showing up there and so I walked around the party with my friend and felt very out of place imposter syndrome for sure and we see this whole crowd of people just kind of moving like a wave I'm like oh that must be Hugh Hefner <laughs> like, I'd never seen a celebrity before in my life and my extroverted friend's like let's go like drags me across to where this wave of people is going and yeah Hef and some girls he was with went into Cabana and it was stanchion like the, you know, the <laughs> red red yes. uh, ropes. Do not cross. Yeah. Yeah. Do not cross. And it, it's like the being at the zoo. <laughs> you're looking at the animal exhibit. You're looking in. You're on the outside looking in. Um, and I talk about it 
being like that in the book. And yeah, so we see Hef sitting in there and I'm like, wow. And my my friend starts waving, oh, over here. Like, <laughs> and Hef looks over at her waving and then his gaze like falls on me. And I'm standing there. There's a photo of this moment in the book. Whoa. <laughs> I'm just um, standing at the ropes and he looks over at me and I just, hi, <laughs> I wave. And How old were you at this point? Yeah, I was 21. Wow. And, and when you're 21, you feel like you're a grown up. You feel like yes. you're an adult. And looking back now, being 37, looking back at me at 21, I'm like, I was a baby still. Yeah. yeah. And like your judgment doesn't even form until you're in your late 20s. So. Right. I was I was chosen out of the crowd and his security is working to bring me in to sit next to him. And it was a surreal feeling. Like now I'm in the animal enclosure like yes. with animals. On day <laughs> one, you were in the enclosure. That's one, crazy. Like, what do I do now? It was this complete out of body experience for sure. And he was how old? 81. 81. And you were 21. Yeah. 60 okay. years older. Wow. Like what? Wow. <laughs> Okay. Okay. So you're inside and you guys hit it off or? I didn't know what to say. And so he started talking to me, asking where I'm from, what I did. I'm like, oh, I'm from San Diego. And I'm like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. Like I'm still in school. Like I don't have a job. (laughs) He's like, what do you do? But later I learned, like, younger the better, right? Exactly. I was going to say, you probably loved that you were still in school. So I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm at San Diego State. I'm a psychology major. And he said, oh, I was a psychology major at the University of Illinois. <laughs> I don't know, way back when in the dinosaur years. I right. don't know how long ago. From there, he invited me to stay for the weekend and go into the house after the party. And and you were just like, what? Like, this is like, like my once in a lifetime. soul had left my body at that point. I'm like, oh, my gosh, am I really here? Right. Yeah. Once in a lifetime. Yeah, do it for the I was plot in, point. Yeah. I was intrigued. The whole vibe felt magnetic. Uh, something about Hef. And, you know, he's in his element surrounded by all these yes people, yeah. basically. I'm like, wow. Like, I don't know. Like, power by proximity, I guess. Yes. And yeah. At 21. Well, and if you see someone that everybody else is like, oh, my God, there's this person, but that person's looking at you, yes. that is mag- that is like there's energy in that. I don't know. It, it feels like oh, it's almost like they're looking at you by like I have been chosen, like yeah. the claw machine in Toy Story. Like <laughs> I have I been felt. chosen. Yes. I felt like one of the little green aliens. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, all the other girls, like, you have been chosen. Yes. Like, oh, here I go. <laughs> to where? I have no idea. But I'm going. Okay. And it's me. <laughs> right. So you go hang out at the house for the weekend. Yes. And I'm sure I should know this answer, but how long until you guys were, like, uh, you were dating Hugh Hefner? How long do you go from, like, right? Because that's where we're we're headed in this. Your last name is <laughs> like Hefner. Where, where are we going? This takes quickly. a real weird, he adopted you. It's like a whole other thing that I didn't know. How long before you guys are, like, dating? I don't know what what is considered dating like sex or yeah. like moving in or yes if you will tell us that. oh i'm i'm it's it's out there for right. everyone in this book so right. i'm i have nothing to hide okay so you <laughs> how long until you guys were having sex with each other the first night no probably okay, I, an hour after that whole okay bro i have to ask you though 
the were you like this is awesome were you like i'm just gonna go with it and see what happens were you understand i'm just gonna give you a little like <laughs> from me i've had sex with two men in my life i'm 41 wow. right so that i'm gonna be a country mouse asking you this question but were you like oh my god let's go or were you like let's see like what was your energy of that um, moment i didn't know exactly what would be happening <laughs> but it's a fair if that was one of the options right this is playboy this yeah. is hugh hefner right it's not something that i was completely blindsided by of course of course but okay <laughs> all right so night one you're like woo, we did that yeah, yeah. Night one, we went up the stairs to Hef's bedroom, and what are you? Th I, I what's in your head at very this quickly. point? <laughs> I'm. I, I feel like I'm being like such a you know girl. I am a girl at coffee right now. I'm like, what are you thinking? <laughs> like, are you? Were you like, yeah, or were you like, okay, I'm swept up in this wave, and I'm going to continue to walk up these stairs. Swept up, walking up the stairs. There are other girls there, and I thought, okay. This probably isn't their first rodeo, so I'm just going to follow whatever right. whatever they say. So I was brought into his closet area, and I was given a pair of silk pajamas. Like um, sexy silk pajamas or like we're going like, to be in loungewear? Like, like Hefner. Hef, yeah, okay. Okay, that's cute. I'm liking that. So I Look at up. me. I'm like, I like that he <laughs> let you be comfortable. You I put know, on I'm some like, Costco sweats. <laughs> no. I remember being told they were like handcrafted in Italy. I later found out they're made in the garment district downtown LA. <laughs> oh, but so wow. I, so eventually nothing was what it seemed was seemed at mm. that place. So I put on the pajamas. There are a few other girls in different colors of the same pajamas. And even even that, I'm like, wow, Hugh Hefner has pajamas in every single color, like the same pair of pajamas in every single color of the rainbow. It's like it's like Willy Wonka. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like the Playboy version, I guess. Right. So we all Got in pajamas, went to his bed, this massive bed that's bigger than any. It had to have custom sheets. I don't know. Seven people could probably this sleep there so comfortably. <laughs> I know. And and then Would you uh, like um and again, tell me if this is too much of a question. I'm literally projecting myself into your shoes. So it's why I asked, were you excited walking up the stairs or swept up in it? Because I'm thinking when I was 21, I would have been swept up in it. It wouldn't have been like as a 41-year-old woman, I know what it is to be turned on and excited and wanting to do that with someone. Yeah. But at 21, I wouldn't have known that. I would have been like, well, I'm here. Like, <laughs> I got to I gotta see. But were you sober? Were you like going into this with a clear head or were you like buzzing and it's all just sort of part of it? I had had a couple of glasses of champagne at that point. Right. So it was enough. And I didn't really drink by that point. So I... I was a lightweight. Yeah. So it helped. It definitely yeah. helped. Because you're about to go upstairs and you're not just going upstairs with him. You're going upstairs with a whole crew. Oh, yeah. Whole crew. Was that new? Or had you done that before? That was so new. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I'm having heart palpitations for you. Yeah, okay. It was so new. But I I saw it as, okay, these other people can help me or yeah. like show me the ropes. Yeah. Which yeah. they did. Yeah. You know, the twins, there were twins. They had been there before me. And... They, yeah, they said, okay, we're all going to go to the bed. And then, you know, have has these like 70s, 1970s buttons and switches. <laughs> so like Austin Powers, I don't know. So he pressed a couple of things and a Madonna CD started playing. So we heard like dress you up in my love and trying to get the 
food all sexy. And then a few other buttons started the TVs. He had like four or five TVs all on one wall. And porn started playing on the TVs. No. It was like 1970s porn. It was like a 70s time capsule. Whoa. Yeah. I am taking my four children away this weekend to go skiing. And I think if you're a parent like me, you understand how important it is to have a kitchen available to you when you have four kids, which is why Airbnb is always the place that I head to just make the vacation easier. And I have always used Airbnb as a place to stay, whether it was for work or family or a girl's weekend. But more and more, my friends are using Airbnb in a totally different way as a business, as a way to invest in property and earn money for it. While you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some extra money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Almost every morning of my life, I have oatmeal. Seriously, during the winter, having something hot in the morning really makes a big difference in my day. Quaker has been a trusted name in oatmeal for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, or ballpoint pens. Quaker has something for everyone whether it's old-fashioned or quick oats that are good for cooking or baking. And while a ton of things have changed, the good stuff remains the same. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker Oats at your local grocery store. Guys, No two listeners of the show are exactly alike, which means that no two vacations you take are going to be exactly alike either. And if you're looking for a place that will serve all of you, Texas has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities that allow for an infinite number of different travel experiences. I love Texas so much, I moved my family there for five years. Because here's the deal. Texas has it all. Are you a beach person? We got you. If you love a rugged vacation, not my jam, but there's plenty of campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. My favorite part about Texas, the food. It is the thing I miss the absolute most. Whether you love barbecue or Tex-Mex or just want to be in cities that take their food very seriously. You can enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. Visit TravelTexas.com slash get your own to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash get your own. <laughs> this is so multi-layered. Wow. First of all, you really are inside of 
and I mean this with no disrespect, but an older man's fantasy. Absolutely. Thinking what girls in their, I don't know a single girl in their 20s who wants to listen to Dress You Up in My Love by Madonna while watching 70s porn. And that's what's going to turn us on. (laughs) Whoa. Oh my God. I mean, you know what? I get it. Like for that story alone, it's, it's just getting the rest of your life. You could have told people like, and then <laughs> 70s, you know, Bush in a porn was just on display. Yeah, wow. it was very the porn was very oily. For some reason, they had oil all over themselves and they were like on pool tables. Oh, because we all know that feels good. Yeah. That, yeah. OK. I quickly right. learned that this was all about Hef. Yes. And Hef's pleasure. Yeah, of course. None of us like Nothing about that situation was sexy. Right. At all. Right. Right. For for us. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So you have this night. Next day, you you, you said you were invited to stay the weekend. Yes. Like you stay the weekend. Do you yes. get like a room? Bedroom five. Okay. My full <laughs> knowledge of what happens inside the Playboy Mansion is from a movie called The House. House Bunny House. Was, yes. Yeah, that one. <laughs> And she has a room at the Playboy. That's all I know. There's how many bedrooms of? Goodness, there was there were six bedrooms in the mansion, the main house. Okay. Then there was a guest house that had about four or five bedrooms, and then there was a playmate house across the street that had about wow. eight bedrooms. This is wild. Okay, yeah. so you're in bedroom five. Bedroom five for the What's weekend. What's the decor like? You feel comfortable there? It's a nice. It's or okay. is it like It's dated. It's dated. Yeah. It has like a. Jack and Jill bathroom type. So it shares bathroom with bedroom four. So I'm like, oh, who's in bedroom four? I, right. But I got through the weekend, movie nights. I quickly learned that it was like a cruise ship itinerary. <laughs> Please explain. <laughs> well, there was something every night of the week, like Monday, manly night. He would watch movies with the men. Tuesday, cards or dominoes with the girls. Wednesday, cards with the guys. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Movie nights, old movies, Sunday, movie night from the theater. I just want to circle back. Did you say manly night? I know. So. Oh, my gosh. Okay. We're going to get – we're, we're going to dive in into how wild all of this is in a dive minute. Dive into the – But I want to – I do want to like – the words you chose there were really interesting. You said, I got through the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't say like, best weekend ever, living my best life. You said, I got through it. Did it feel like that in the moment or were, was it still exciting? Like, I want to see where this can go. I think I, I had a lot of social anxiety, like I still do. And I got through it because there was some schedule like, OK, you have to be here by six, have to be I'm like, OK, so I have free time between now and maybe I can walk around a little bit and look at the house. And was but, your friend still with you? Yeah, okay, uh, that. not the friend. No that, way. She didn't get to stay. She didn't get in. I think it was because she wasn't the look Hef was going for or that Hef was attracted to. Is there only one one look or like is it always? Blonde white girl. Okay. That's it. Okay. I'm sure also if I didn't have implants at the time, I wouldn't have gotten. So blonde, big boobs. Wow. White girl. Okay. And my friend did not fit the mold for that. And so you stayed the weekend I alone. Stayed the weekend. There was another girl that had been invited from the night before named Amber. I talk about her in the book. So I had her. Okay. The twins were already living there and I had Amber and we were both kind of new just there for the weekend, for the weekend fun. So I explored around with Amber and she's so sweet. 
thinking back, you know, she has this long, flowing blonde hair, perfectly parted in the middle. And she looked like she came from the 70s. So I was in that whole vibe (laughs) all weekend. But the itinerary helped me know, like, what am I supposed to do? I'm in this big, big, huge mansion. But it helped me get through the weekend. And I went back to San Diego on Monday. And I thought, how do I move forward with life after this experience? Wow. In what way? Well, I I felt, oh, I got to see how like the other half live or like the the one percent or right. like how do I? And I realized I'm like once you're rich and powerful, you don't have to do much of anything in terms of work. You know, have just yeah allocated just that to everybody else. Yeah, yeah. I'm like <laughs> wow, how do I go back to my normal life, my normal like bumpy life? And um, I didn't have to think about it too long because Hef called me on Monday night. I got a voicemail, missed call number. I didn't recognize. I didn't answer it. And he left me a voicemail like, hello, Crystal. This is Hugh Hefner calling. And I'm like, what? Hugh Hefner's in my voicemail? Yeah. This is weird. And he said, uh, I would like to invite you to move in with me. I know. <laughs> this is so weird. Dude. <laughs> I know. This is wild. Yeah. I want to I want to put a pin here because I want to like <laughs> take us to today. There's a lot. And yeah. then before we keep going with the story, what is your perception on this time now? Because looking back? Yeah. Oh my goodness, looking back, the book I wrote is the book I wish I would have had when I was 21. Mm. That I could have read with all the warnings <laughs> and red flags. There was no book like that when I was 21, so I just went for it. Yeah. You know, we started this conversation, we were talking about cult documentaries, because yes. I'm a nerd and I love a documentary about a cult. And there are things about this story that if you study the psychology of how people sort of join into environments that later they realize were not good for them, that there's a lot of what you're describing that happens in those. You know, there are parts of that you're like, oh, it was an older man and there was grooming or um, I was being love bombed or is that... Or do you look at it and go, no, this was like a beautiful part of my story and I'm proud of that time? I think it was a complete imbalance of power. Mm-hmm. And so the, the first option, yeah, there was a huge power imbalance. There were, you know, love bombing to the extreme. Mm-hmm. He was telling us all that he loved us mm-hmm. very soon. So yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't look back with fondness. Okay, that's, I yeah. look back and feel that it was a wild time and I was very vulnerable. Mm -hmm. So you're 21 years old. You just spent the weekend at the Playboy Mansion. Hugh Hefner calls you and says, will you move in with me? Yes. And you say. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Because you're, I mean, to be totally fair, you, you said something that's so real and so many people can get is like you went from this environment that is hard. Being in college is hard. And you're probably in like uh, the dorms or like a crappy apartment or whatever. You're trying to make ends meet. You're trying to finish your classes. And someone literally says, you get to jump the line. You get to like move all the way up in the game of life to like a beautiful home and being taken care of. And it's exciting and it's different. And it, I mean, I freaking get it. Yeah. You're (laughs) like, yeah, I will move. Did you think this is forever or this is like until someone tells me otherwise like what what are the logistics of moving into the playboy mansion i definitely thought until someone tells me otherwise okay i went up there and you know i did have a my childhood was hard and 
moving place to place, you know, losing a parent at a young age. I lost my high school sweetheart. So it was, I was at a time where I was very vulnerable and feeling like there was a place that I could maybe just really belong. I feel like that was part of it. But yeah, it was powerful. It was enticing, alluring. And I didn't know if it was how long it was going to be for, but I just figured school will be there and I'm just going to go for it. Yeah. So you move there. Are you back in room five? Yes. Okay, you're back in room five. Do you get to like decorate it, make it your own? Or I was too afraid. Yeah. <laughs> just are like, thank you. I'll just be here. Like I'm afraid to touch anything or yeah. change anything. And what's life like? It's a lot of movie nights, it sounds like. A lot of movie nights. There was a restaurant style kitchen. So you can you couldn't go in there and cook yourself. It was like there were people in there, chefs like four chefs, like 24-7. So you would call and order your food by phone, and they would either bring it up to you in a tra- on a tray, the butlers, or you go down and eat it downstairs. I always felt uncomfortable because I felt I related to the staff more than anything. And like, sorry, Sheila, like, I don't want you to have to walk all the way upstairs with a tray. That's so awkward. But I learned that I could order whatever I wanted, so like, whoa. Yeah. So I would order fries, grilled cheese, just like anything. Like, this is so cool. Over time, I gained weight a little bit. I mean, I was 134. Right. Like from, I don't know, 120 or something. And I remember Hef just like kind of tapping me on the thigh. And he said, uh, looks like someone needs to tone up. I'm like, oh, my. Oh, no. <laughs> Oof. This is gross. And that's when it started. That's when oh. it started. And like, okay, maybe things aren't really what they seem. Right. Because it went from telling me to tone up to telling me what I should wear. Like, wear the flag, which was the rabbit head logo. Mm-hmm. Wear something more colorful. Wear the flag? Yeah. Wear the flag. <laughs> Girl. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, cult much? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wear the flag. My nails couldn't be anything but like a pale pink color. If my roots started growing out from the white blonde, he would like tap it and feel like, oh, you need to fix it's that. It's like <laughs> when someone has been allowed to live inside of the a world of their own creation for decades upon decades upon decades and has had so much power over the women in his life, yeah. you're living unchecked. Like no one's going to stop you from – these things that we can hear now and be like, oh my God, that's so fucked. But being a young woman and not having anybody advising you and being inside of an environment where everybody's doing the same thing. To me, being healthy is really grounded in nutrition. Honestly, what I eat and what my kids eat is super important to how we live our lives. It's why I love a company like Thrive Market because Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories. So when I go online and I use their on-site filters, I can figure out exactly my lifestyle needs and trust that what I'm getting from Thrive Market is what I want to take into my body. When you join Thrive Market, you're also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. 
You can join in on the Savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash rach for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash rach. Thrivemarket.com slash rach. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I told you, I used to work in the movie industry, and I worked at Miramax Films. Well, now there's all of this information about Harvey Weinstein and what a terrible freaking person he was. And nobody who worked at Miramax is surprised by that information. But when you're inside of it and you're 20 years old, which I was, wow, you're, every other assistant is also working 16 hours and not getting paid more than $12 an hour and you're not getting overtime and you're hustling and people are screaming at you and they're smoking in the office and they're, and you just think it's normal because everyone around you thinks it's normal too. It's so easy for people outside of that world to judge people inside of it. But unless you've been inside of it, there's no way you can know. And you're also looking at your most basic thing, right? Like your, where you are sleeping, how you're getting your food, how you're surviving. And if, okay, I need to tone up so that I'm allowed to stay in this life, or I need to make sure my roots don't grow out so I'm allowed to stay in this life. There are these tiny little things that, I'm guessing at the time, don't feel like they add up to much until you look back later and realize like, oh my God, who am I? Yeah, absolutely. That's like your time at Miramax. It's like someone can ask you, how did you allow yourself to be treated that way? Or why did you, why didn't you say something? And you get swept up and and Hef had maybe 70 staff members that were all complete yes people. Yes, boss, Mr. Hefner, they couldn't call him Hef. It had to be boss or this or that. So it's, yeah, you get swept up yeah. and stuck. The energy, I would think, would be a lot of fear. Like, even if it's covered up by things, like, be, I'm, again, I'm just imagining myself in that situation. And it's like, this is fun and exciting and whatever. But like, then it's this fear of what if these things are taken away? Or if I can just do this, this, and this, then I'm a good girl and I'm like being approved of and I'm like the one being chosen. Absolutely. And that's what I worked toward. I worked toward liking everything he liked and watching those old movies and just being a good girl. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. In those environments, these little tiny things that he's asking you to change or adjust, were you conscious of like, okay, I could do, I can be this, I can get toned, I can do these things? Yeah. I can be better. Yeah. For sure. It was a challenge. Yeah. I can be better. God. But honestly, how many, I'm sure men do it too, but how many women 
It doesn't even have to be Hugh Hefner. How many women listening to this right now have some loser boyfriend named Brian who's like, <laughs> oh, you know, you're getting a little, like gaining a little weight there. Like how many times do we think, oh, if I can just do these things, then I'll be who they want me to be. Then I'll be loved. Then yeah. I'll be worthy. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's like those people don't even really like or love you. They just like this idea of you. And yes, I, I got my implants out since then. And I've talked to so many different women. I've been public about it. And they, they have said, oh, you know, I'm sick and I don't feel well and I need to get these implants out. But my husband won't let me. My boyfriend won't let me. Imagine <laughs> now, wow. now yeah. I'm so like, yeah. it angers me so much. Yeah, it's yeah. so crazy. Yeah. But you're in this, you're in this space, you're, you know, sort of checking the boxes to be, you know, who you're meant to be. And again, forgive me for not knowing this. Did you pose in Playboy? Was that what did this lead there? Or, or no, that's not how it works. You're just a girlfriend to him and he doesn't want the world to see what the girlfriend looks like. I think he does like when the world sees his girlfriends because he did have naked photos of the girls before me just like in the library where anyone can walk in and of his ex-wife before me. They were Okay, just, that's wild. <laughs> so creepy, right? Um, but he did make me a playmate. Almost immediately, I got thrown onto the Girls Next Door season six. Okay. I didn't really have an Playmate <laughs> means you're in the magazine? Yeah, you're okay. a centerfold. Okay. And have you ever, had you ever posed nude before? Or sorry, is it no. nude or is it a bikini? It's or? nude. Okay. It's tasteful. Nudity. Okay. But you'd never done that before. <laughs> no. Oh, my, okay. <laughs> Does he present you the idea or he's like, guess what? This is what we're doing. Tell us that scenario. He kind of presents it and... It's it's kind of like the pinnacle of wow, yeah. I'm pretty enough to be in the magazine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh so I did feel special. I got paid $25,000. Okay, that's <laughs> not nothing. <laughs> you were very but, young. <laughs> but now my photos are out there for all eternity. Mm -hmm. I have been working with somebody to pull them all from the internet. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's something I regret for sure. Mm. Uh but he made me a playmate and put me on the girls next door show. Okay. So you become a playmate and I have a lot of follow-up questions about this. <laughs> was there like a theme to your shoot? Like, you know how like when someone poses oh, in yeah, Vogue, yeah. it'll be like, you're an angry teacher or whatever. <laughs> 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 Definitely that. No one's That's had that so in Vogue. Good. But was there a theme to yours? Yeah, there was a theme. It was old-timey vibes. I had Frank Sinatra records kind of okay. nearby. Okay. The, the vinyl. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was kind of an old, like, sil silkish theme on the bed. All right. But we were filming for Girls Next Door, and Holly, Bridget, and Kendra were on the previous seasons. So what they did, I was Miss December 2009. What they did, they gave me this hat, and it had a bit of holly, those, like, little red. Yeah. They're like, oh, there's some holly in her hat. And I think they were trying to start drama for the show. Oh, like as if you were dig like Yeah, and there was a her. record scratch noise because Holly had never been a, a playmate. And oh. not all girlfriends are playmates. Okay. You have to test. And if you look good on camera, then you could potentially be How a wild. Okay. It's very wild because nothing is based on personality. Right. His girls would show up and I'm like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody gave him a personality test. Right. So I, I became a playmate, was on the Girls Next Door show. And did it, that it photo shoot feel empowering or sexy or was it scary? I was very uncomfortable starting out. I think they're used to that. Yeah. There was the same team that they've had for years and years. You know, the set was elaborate and beautiful. They spent a lot of money on that. And they start you off 
fully clothed pretty much not fully but some kind of lingerie set right and then eventually you're naked and it's comfortable they make you feel comfortable yeah are you allowed to see the pictures as they shoot or is it just sort of like don't worry we got (laughs) i could kind of they had it coming up on a screen as it was shooting but the final i had no say in the final images Mm. i'm just glad they airbrushed them a lot (laughs) okay (laughs) so you do this shoot you're now a playmate you said is that what it's called okay and you were on the show yeah and how long were you guys together or when are you like officially a girlfriend or is everyone a girlfriend right away um I think I was a girlfriend right away okay I knew that the number one girlfriend is in Hef's room with him so and I I figured okay if I'm closest to him then there's least chance of getting kicked out Mm. so I made sure to you know watch all the movies all the way through and (laughs) take it not many bathroom breaks and just be by his side and talk about all the things he wanted to talk about and talk about him. You know, looking back, I'm like, this is extreme, like narcissism. Yeah. And it also, it sounds like a harem, like in history, like if you think about the different members of a harem and how hard they're working to like be the number one, but even you just saying like, I don't want to take too many bathroom breaks because then I'm (laughs) missing, you know, the scene in Ishtar that he's really excited about. (laughs) I know, I know. <laughs> I talk about in the book how he would cry. He'd seen these movies so many times, but the romantic scenes, he's like crying and looks over to me. And I'm like, oh, it's okay. And what do you, okay, <laughs> real question. No bullshit. Did you look at him and think, yes, sexy, let's go? <laughs> like, not at all. Just just like his personality or his energy or his aura, that was attractive to you? We're going to keep talking with this helicopter because it's too <laughs> important it of a question. <laughs> I wasn't attracted to him in yeah. that way where I thought he was sexy. If anything, something inside me felt sorry for him. Mm. I somehow, with that 21-year-old brain, knew that he was this potentially like broken person that tried to fill some void with all these women. Mm -hmm. So if if anything, I felt kind of sorry for him. Mm. And you're like, I can be the one. Yeah. Did you, were you like, I can fix you or like, I can, I can help you feel better. Maybe. Yeah. I think women sometimes feel that they have to be fixers. I don't know anything about that, Crystal. (laughs) I've never tried to fix anyone. Uh, But I, I got it. I got the number one spot. I made it to number one. Into the bedroom with Hef. So now you have to share a bedroom with him. Yeah, I'm sharing that big bed where all the group activities happen. <laughs> sorry. That was so rude. No, that's, that how, so that's, rude. How, I, that's how I feel. I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm like, I have a oh, terrible poker face. I and never, I, no, it's great. I There was no privacy. Yeah, I was like, going to say. worse. You, I actually think in retrospect, you don't want to be one. You want to be two. Yeah. You want to be the person who still gets to keep their own bedroom and like have their own space, but now you got to be in. Okay, so you have now we're we're in it. And we're in it. I'm one. The twins. There were twin sisters. They were 19. Mm. They were in the next bedroom, so they had more freedom. Wow. Okay. And you guys are boyfriend and girlfriend now. Yeah, boyfriend, girlfriend, girlfriend, and girlfriend. I yeah. guess. Okay. We're in a thruple <laughs> or a quadruple or whatever we are. And you're a playmate and you're on the show. Yes. And how much time goes by before all of this, this is who you are now? 
It happened very quickly. Okay. Like six months or a year? Yeah, I got into the swing of it pretty quick. And family, friends, people back in San Diego, what are their feelings about this? They came to visit me. Hef didn't really let me go many places, so they mostly came to visit me. They thought it was cool. My mom thought it was cool. Really? I've spoken to her since. I'm like, how did you let me go there? Right. And she said, you know, you were 21. You were technically an adult. And if I would have told you no, you probably would have gone anyway. Yeah, that's real. Wow. Okay. (laughs) So at what point do you become Crystal Hefner? (laughs) Please tell us that story. Well, one day I went into Hef's secretary's office. Her name's Mary, longtime secretary. Yeah. She loved it. She loved being involved in all the drama. It was her life. Mm. And I went in there and she asked me what kind of ring that I like or what kind of di- shaped diamond I like. And wait, how long had you guys been together at this I point? I was 25. Okay, so it had been a minute. Yeah. And were you hoping to get married? No. No. Okay. It's not something I talked about. It's not something I thought about. So you go into Mary's office. She says, what shape diamond? Are you like, oh, my God, this is so exciting. Are you like, no. holy crap? It's like, oh, what does this mean? Square? <laughs> she goes, oh, no, 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 no. You like round because when the light hits it, it shines, shines more. Round shines more. I'm like, oh, okay, like round. Cool. So I leave Mary's office. <clears throat> and then Christmas Eve, Hef hands me a music box. It's The Little Mermaid. I like the movie The Little Mermaid. Okay. You know, by the time I'm 25, I'm like, eh, but yeah. He still treats, you know, treats everybody like they're they're young at that point still. So he gives me the Little Mermaid music box. I open it. There's a ring inside, and he just said, "I hope it fits." He didn't ask me to marry him or anything. I think back to that. I'm like, is it because he was worried I would say no? I'm not sure, but um, yeah. By those cameras going off, and by that time we were engaged and I thought I'm either marrying this man or I leave tomorrow so it's it's happening how was your relationship at that point kind of the same old thing same old thing yeah I did think about it I'm like okay if we once we get married do these other girls leave like what happens did they leave once you got married yeah oh really they did wow okay wow so it's Christmas Eve you get engaged (laughs) How long until you actually get married? The next year because I ran away. (laughs) I know. Okay. Okay. It's about to be our longest podcast interview ever. Okay. No, don't apologize. (laughs) This is incredible. Okay. So take us from I'm engaged to I ran away. The cameras are going off. There's a film crew filming us, which I wasn't really sure what was happening. What are we being filmed for? Girls Next Door is over. A few days later, he comes into the vanity, which is my like little area of his room, and he brings me some paper paperwork. And he said, "We're," and I'd over, I'd overheard him by then talking about this show. It was called Marrying Hef. It was going to be on Lifetime, two-hour special. I overheard him. Shut <laughs> yeah. up. Yeah, it's I'm an for introvert. TV. <laughs> I'm an introvert, and I'm like, this is just wait. It was for TV. For TV, yeah. Didn't talk to you. Mm-hmm. I. <laughs> This story, honestly, okay, I just really quickly want to sidestep and say, typically I read the books before anyone sits down with me, but I'm so freaking pumped that I did because I'm having a real life reaction to everything. But all of this is in the book. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, whoa. Okay. He brings paperwork to you for a TV show. Yes. I had 
overheard him speaking to the producer of The Girls Next Door talking about this special coming up called Marrying Hef. And it was but he wasn't engaged to anybody at the time. Uh, no, he wasn't. Um, I think I don't know if it was after the engagement or at some point I overheard them talking about $800,000. So between the producer of The Girls Next Door and Hef, however they split it, they were going to make $800,000 for this. And you made how much? So <laughs> he brought the paperwork in and said, I want, need you to sign this. It's a release. And I looked, I kind of shuffled through, he's waiting, and it's a $2,500 talent fee to be on the show. And, oh, <laughs> and I said, I don't mean to be ungrateful, but, you know, I'll, I'll be the one, like, going to the flower mart and doing all these things yeah. and organizing, and I'm not expecting half. I overheard you saying how much money you were going to make. Like maybe like 10000 or something where it's like I feel a little bit like significant. And immediately he said, well, what are you in this for? What are you in this for, bitch? <laughs> oh. Oh, the, this is so, I mean, like we're laughing a lot. And every time you tell me I, my heart is breaking. <sighs> what are you in for this for? that version of you. And the, I get all this PTSD coming in from all these interviews where people calling me gold digger. Of course. At that point, for the media, I'm a low-hanging fruit. Of course. What's it like sleeping with an old man? What do all old balls look like? And oh, it no. all comes back to me. You're gold digger and all this stuff. And I'm like, whew. When he half himself all of a sudden says, what are you in this for? When, when I haven't really asked him for anything right. for five years. Right. I, I'm like, I got to I gotta get out of here. I, I got to get out of here so i i run out of the vanity this is the first time i'm like disobeying half i i run out of the vanity the playboy mansion's near homeby park mm -hmm. homeby hills park so I'm like i'm just gonna go walk around the park go down the driveway it's a long driveway back gate there's secure there's a security booth at the back gate somebody's always in there and they you know see me coming open the gate but i'm going down and i hear their phone go off and i hear Hef's voice on speakerphone and he says if crystal tries to leave like detain her like, he doesn't want me leaving. So then, I, then I'm like, ah, I'm actually trapped. The gate doesn't swing open. They're not letting me out. I'm like, I'm actually trapped here. I'm like, oh. I stand there. I see the closed gate. I see the security guy looking at me. He's like, oh, yeah. it gives me this look like I'm just trying to do my job. So I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, turn around like a sad puppy, like walk back into the house. I'm like, I got to, if I'm going to leave, I got to do this a little bit differently or be strategic about it. So yeah, I planned my escape from there. <laughs> At the time, I was learning music and uh, I had been introduced to this guy named Jordan McGraw, who was, they said, oh, don't judge him just because he's Dr. Phil's son. And I'm like, Dr. Phil's son? <laughs> I don't know anything much about Dr. Phil, daytime TV, whatever. At the time, I'm like, oh, okay, I don't care. I didn't have many friends, so I started talking to Jordan, and like I feel trapped here. This wedding is supposed to happen. I don't know what to do. He said, "Oh, come, come talk to my dad." Like, come. I'm like, "Oh, Doctor Phil, he'll know what to do. Like, he's a psychologist, and he's great." So I, during the day, I'm allowed to be anywhere during the day. So I drive up to top of Mulholland to Doctor Phil's house and sit on the couch with him. And he's like, "You're, you're a 25 year old woman," you know, in his voice, and you shouldn't feel trapped there. And 
So with my newfound confidence from Dr. Phil, I go back to the Playboy Mansion and slowly move my stuff out. But nobody knows you're moving your stuff out? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Hef doesn't know. Nobody knows. I put like two t-shirts in the top drawer just in case someone would open a drawer. Yeah. They would see I still had stuff there. And during a movie night, I snuck out to go to the bathroom, got my last two t-shirts, got in my car, and drove down a security booth. They probably thought it was weird. Red flag went up like, oh, Crystal doesn't – it's movie night. Why is she – I said, oh, I'm, I got to go to the – got to go to CVS or Walgreens to go get tampons. Yeah. <laughs> Big burly security yeah, men. are like, like oh. <laughs> period. <laughs> I open, they open yeah. the gate immediately. I drive out. And that's it. I, I left. In this time period, is is Hef calling you? Is there any conversation? Oh, with- he was calling me all night long. I was ignoring that. The night I left, he called my mom. I don't know what I've done. I don't know what's happened. It was five days before the wedding. That's the thing with a narcissist. They can tell themselves any story and believe it's true. I don't know what I've yes. done. Like, I don't know. Wow. Okay, wait. You said it's five days till the wedding. What do you mean? Wedding still on? I left five on? days before. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know how else to do it. Right, right. Okay, so you're runaway bride. Yeah. Okay, but you're gone for a year. Gone for a year. During that year, it was the awful relationship. Got through that. I opened a lingerie store with a friend. That didn't end up working out. So, do you have money at this point? Do you have? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I had, I had, like, I had saved enough money. money. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I had been squirreling away money. So, yeah, I did. And about a year later, I heard from Mary Heff's secretary saying, Heff's been lost without you. There was two girls there at the time, and you know, he he feels nobody compares to you. And you, I think they because they take I, too many bathroom breaks yeah, in the movies. Exa- yes, yes, yes. Wow. They didn't okay. completely lose themselves to right, him right. like I did. I just felt that my life wasn't really going anywhere fast or I didn't know what I wanted or what I you know I was kind of lost and I thought maybe that's my path and maybe that's where I'm meant to be um so I went back Mm. yeah and got married December 31st 2012 wow were you excited (laughs) on the wedding day or were in your gut were you like oh god what am I doing I just got through it yeah just, just like that first weekend. <laughs> just like the first weekend. Yeah. I just got through it and told myself, my 25-year-old brain at that point, or 20, 25 or 26, I told myself, okay, I'm going to do things different this time. Mm. And things were different and better at that time. Less girls. I started concentrating more on my own stuff. I started a loungewear line. I learned how to DJ. I'm like, I'm going to try and make the most. I DJ day parties in Vegas as long as I was back by movie night. Wow. Okay. But I started getting into cryptocurrency and real estate. And I I bought a house and didn't tell him. I opened an LLC. It's totally secret. And um, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do things different this time. And I did in a way. And it got to the point where I felt trapped again. And but I don't know if it's Stockholm syndrome or what it was. You know, I had at that point I had a few million dollars, like I would have been fine. But I remember having a phone call with my mom and saying, like, he's getting older, like I can't leave him. Do you know where that sense of 
like guilt or can you trace that back to something in your life where you're like, oh, I can see now why I did, why I made that choice or why I felt like I had to be the one? Yes. I I think it had to do with my, my – I lost my dad at a very young age and my mom and I had no money after my dad died. I remember we – rented a bedroom in some other family's house. Mm. So we're in one bedroom in their house and this family's going about their lives. And I, you know, I'm just in the book, I talk about just smelling like unfamiliar, like (laughs) smells and cooking from some other family where we weren't really a family. We were just like leftover pieces of, of one and having to make myself small to accommodate everybody else. Mm -hmm. And, And from there I had a stepdad, which the only good thing about that was getting into a good school district and going to La Jolla High School and meeting my lifelong best friends. But um, Tony wasn't nice to me, my step, my stepdad. He's Lyle in the book. He had a daughter that he treated way better than he treated me. I was kind of the, I don't know. Like the stepchild. A, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a, a poo stain on his shoe or something. And so I, I became small and a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. And if I just stay small and make other people feel big, then then I'll be accepted. Mm-hmm. And I and th- safe, by the way. Yes. Like there's we can't say enough about how important financial security is, yeah. especially if you come from a childhood where you had financial insecurity. It's it is the most basic human need is that safety, right? And if you attach finances to safety, which I totally get, I do do that too. It is so easy to understand why that would have been important for you. And all of these things work together to like, now we can look back as older versions of ourselves and go, what was I thinking? But of course it makes sense what you were thinking. You were doing the best you could with what you had. Yeah. And when you have no money, it is really hard. Just like you're saying, you don't feel safe. And you feel that people that have money or have means are better than you. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're better than us. Mm-hmm. And that's how I felt. And I, I went into La Jolla High School and this school district and all the parents and families, they were rich. And, you know, it made me feel less than, less than everybody. With that kind of upbringing and background, I feel like I was the perfect candidate for mm-hmm. for that place and for half you know you were telling your mom he's getting older you sort of felt like we're married like we're in this what what happens next yeah I told her I can't I can't leave him I need to be there for him and he did get older and eventually it got harder for him to walk I'm like oh let's get you like a walker let's oh no no you know, he just wanted to be the man to be the the public what the public thought of him so I did my best to try and have him be seen as that like if he has a walker nearby like make sure no one takes a picture or whatever well so he ended up getting the walker and I bought it and I just I'm like I'm just gonna set this here and he eventually started using it I hired someone to kind of help him like get ready for movie nights and that took a lot of pressure off of me but yeah he got older and quickly and he ended up getting sick with an E. coli infection, which is so bizarre. And even after that, even after he passed, I'm like beating myself up. What could we have done different? Could we have given him different type of antibiotic? Like what? That's what he passed away from. Yes, E. coli. But you don't know how. No. Uh, 
I finally had started standing up for myself and I went on a trip. I said, I'm going on vacation, basically whether you like it or not type mm-hmm. of thing. I try and trying to finally stand up for myself. And I get back and the person who I'd hired to be like kind of his buddy and help him said, Hef didn't want to go to movie night. Ooh, yeah. Like that's, that's something sign. is yeah. wrong. Because no matter how he feels, he will go down a movie night. I'm like, oh, that's weird. And he seemed a bit indifferent. We couldn't figure it out. I'm like, are you okay? Yeah, yeah, you know. And his it was actually his new secretary, Amanda, after Mary died. She said, you know, I looked up urinary tract infections. And when people are older and get them, they get a bit like disoriented. And maybe that's something that's happening. So we're like, oh, well, let's try. And so we got him a you know, urinary test and it came back that he had a highly resistant E. coli bacteria. And there was only one antibiotic that it was sensitive to. And it was something nobody had ever heard of. And how old was he at this point? 91. Yeah. He's yeah, older. Yeah, 91. And I had had, I'd gone through some of my own illness. I think a lot of it was from emotional heaviness and things like that. And the actual mansion had mold. But I had this Lyme disease doctor, Dr. Lehman, who's amazing. And I, (laughs) she's some kind of wizard. So I'm like, do you have this antibiotic? And she said, yep, I have it. I'll be right over. We immediately set up his bedroom to be like an ER. We brought everything to him. He never wanted to go to a hospital. He said people die in hospitals. He wouldn't even have white sheets because it reminded Reminded me of the hospital. Mm -hmm. They were like black satin. And so we started this antibiotic and he was just getting worse. And he went into sepsis. Oh my God. And here I am like reading this advanced healthcare directive because he's going like, it's getting bad quick. And like, do we take him to the hospital? What do we do? Because now he's in sepsis and the doctor, his, he had a team of doctors there and they said, if he stays here, he's going to die 100%. If we take him to the hospital, he maybe has a 30% chance of survival. Mm. Um, so I'm reading this advanced healthcare directive. I'm listed as the person on this thing. And I'm like, how in, on earth am I the person on Hugh Hefner's right. advanced healthcare directive for the, his end of life care? It was another out of body experience yeah. even though I've been there so long and it said if there was if there's if I have something that I could be potentially saved I'll go to the hospital but if it's some terminal like a cancer or something where I'll die no matter what like I don't want to go mm-hmm. but if I can be saved I'll go to the hospital so I'm like okay this he potentially could be saved because mm-hmm. it's a it's a bacteria and I'm deciding I'm trying to figure this out I have his secretary, his estate attorney came in. I'm in a different room because I don't want him to hear anything. He couldn't hear at that point anyway, yeah, but, I, but even yeah. if. And I'm trying to decide this. I'm crying. And while we're having this conversation, a nurse comes in from the room and said, you know, he's gone. Mm-hmm. So in a way, I feel that he made the decision for us and he wanted to be in his bed. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's that's what happened. And I couldn't leave the house for like six weeks. Yeah. I don't know why. I, I felt guilt. Mm. I felt all kinds of things. And I couldn't, I didn't want to be in the room. He died in, in our room. So I was in bedroom four, the cloud room. There's clouds painted on the ceiling. And yeah, for just weeks, just replaying. I'm like, is there a different antibiotic? When I had Lyme disease, I was on like six at once. We could have just given him six at once or all of these. And what could I have done to save him? And 
But you, but you know, I mean, he was ninety one. <laughs> if if we were telling the story about someone who was, you know, fifty, yeah, I'm assuming you have a therapist. So I'm hoping you have a therapist and have talked about this. Those, yeah, he yeah, lived. So. He, I mean, he lived. <laughs> I know that you can rest assured. He People are like, lived. no one's going to say Hef's in a better place. Right, right? <laughs> he lived. Yeah, but. I had no idea you were still with him when he died. Yeah. I actually thought the story was going to end with you getting divorced. No. I didn't know that. Okay, I didn't know that piece of the story. Yeah. That's so a lot to carry. I was there till the end. Wow. Oh, no, another loss. I'd had so many lo- yeah. losses. Yeah. How long ago was that? It was September 2017. Okay. So okay, so it's been a minute. <laughs> Six years, seven years. And what did life look like on the other side of that? Wow. At first, it was hard. At first, I didn't, I'm like, what is life going to be like? I wasn't sure. And then I, I started trying to date, and that was hard. Yeah. You know, I ended up in relationships with people that were like struggling musicians, struggling actors, that were manipulating me and controlling me. And I thought, wow, this person's manipulating me, controlling me, and I'm paying all the bills this time. Mm-hmm. Like, no, no, they, no. I'm telling you, <laughs> narcissists can see the exact personality type that will work for their manipulation. It's terrifying and sad. And you get, you're like, some people get preyed upon. It's, yeah. it's awful. And I remember watching, this is so random, but I watched the Leaving Neverland documentary. It's oh, a, about Michael Jackson. I couldn't even make it through that whole one. It was so sad. I know. And... Uh, Wade Robson on there, he spoke about, you know, Dr. Shaw, Dr. Shaw, Dr. Shaw. And I'm like, okay, high profile weirdness. Like, who is this Dr. Shaw? And so I, I found him and he's been my therapist the last five years. Awesome. He's helped me tremendously. And, you know, since then, I, I, I'm i still discovering what I like. Yeah. <laughs> That's so weird to say. It's not. It's like- I freaking get it. I, I get it. I was I met my ex-husband when I was 18 years old. Wow. And we got divorced when I was 37. I really get it. And I he was older and my whole life was for a very, very, very long time was being his wife. And I when I got I it was such a silly thing, but I remember pretty soon after I got divorced being in my house by myself and I was it was COVID so I was like scrolling through things to watch on TV and there was like a a fantasy it's a show called The Witcher on like Netflix or HBO or something I don't remember but it's really high level fantasy swords and dragons and crazy stuff and I was like oh that looks interesting and I kept scrolling and I caught myself and I was like oh my god I love fantasy but I hadn't watched it because my ex-husband hated fantasy and so when you're yeah when you're young and so you you don't know and so you just make yourself whoever they want or whoever you make yourself into them you're like they like this they and all of a sudden it becomes we like this we do this we have this so it was the it really was this unlearning or remembering what am I into? It's, I always think of that scene in, in Runaway Bride, if you've ever seen it, where Julia Roberts, every single guy she's been with, thinks she likes her eggs a different way. Have you ever oh seen Runaway God. Bride? No, I haven't. Watch it. Okay. You should watch it. But there's this great scene at the end of the movie where she goes to a diner and gets every kind of egg 
because she realizes she actually oh. doesn't know how she likes her eggs. She just has always had them whatever way her boyfriend likes to have them. I think it's a really common thing for women and maybe men too that you come out of a consuming relationship and you're like, what kind of eggs do I like? Like, I like this movie, right? Yeah, I felt I felt dumb. I'm like, oh, maybe I am really this like dumb blonde that doesn't even know. Mm. I, I beat myself up about it. I was getting set up with a, a matchmaker and they asked me, they're like, oh, what do you like? What are your hobbies? And I just went blank. And uh, I'm like, oh, I'm not ready for this. You know, yeah, I was going to say, that maybe. should be like sign number one. <laughs> if you don't know who you are, do not go try and find someone else. Yeah, so... Along the way, I've I've learned what I like. I'm still learning. Yeah, and you know, I bought a place in Hawaii. We were talking about that earlier, and it's it's a farm. And like, I like oh. being in nature. I like being away from LA. I like mm-hmm. being just out and away. And and now things have gotten so much better. Now I actually have freedom. You know, have portrayed Playboy as this sexual freedom and all of this stuff and freeing everybody. I felt anything but at that place. I felt completely trapped. But now I have true freedom. I feel free. I am exploring the things that I love. I am finally dating somebody that is a great man who just wants the best for me, who has a great career. And things are good. Yeah. And there there is there is, you know, not, not everyone you know has been to the Playboy Mansion, but there are other people who have lost themselves and been in emotionally abusive relationships or hard relationships and um there is light on the other side mm. for sure. Yeah. My gosh, what a story. What do you feel like next looks like for you? Because you have I know that was, you know, 2017, it's been a long time. Yeah. But you know, you're you have the book now and you're sort of in order to have a book, you have to put yourself out there. You have to have these conversations. Or when I heard that you had a book coming out and uh, Joseph, who I've worked with before, had you know, oh, pitched really? you this for the He's show. So yeah. Cool. I went on your Instagram and I was like, oh, I'm just going to because that's usually I'll do a quick. Yeah. And it just so happened that the video, like whatever video was that day or real, was you, I think, responding maybe to people being mean to you because you guys were, you were like, God, you guys are pretty brutal you know and I remember thinking like number one I know what that's like there's a reason I don't have comments on my Instagram because people no because it was like if Taylor Swift can do it I'm doing it that's a great idea yeah because I honestly felt like it was like inviting people to your house so that they could shit in your house because you you know like you're trying I really am trying to do work that like puts goodness into the world and, and you could hate me you could think it's the worst thing you've ever that's totally fine but it's so weird that social media exists where you're like here's this thing i created and people are like fuck you (laughs) you're disgusting i hate your hair you're a bad mom and i'm like what (laughs) and i know that it if you're not in the world if you're not in this world it would be so easy to think well just don't read those comp but like they find a way to get through so i'm asking you the question because you have been sort of forced into the spotlight in so many ways. If I were you, I would just, no one would ever see me again. It's basically <laughs> what I'm getting at. Like, I would just be like, peace. Yeah. It's been real. Like, did it feel important to tell this story for other people? Or what does the next iteration of this look like? I think it was important to tell the story. For five years, I was pretty quiet. I just went finding myself and traveling and 
<laughs> spending time with my therapist, but <laughs> <laughs> I felt that it was important to tell the story. I thought that it was important and yeah, it is important for my healing. It has helped so much. Good. And when people, you know, ask about it, I'm like, okay, now I have this, I have the story in exactly the way I would want to tell it. And here it is for mm -hmm. anyone who wants to know. I also think Hef controlled the narrative for 70 years so tightly controlled the narrative. I think that other voices are important, especially female voices from that place. Mm -hmm. I do think the the whole Playboy Mansion thing was like this crazy experience. It was pre Me Too. It was just almost like an ex like a social experiment. Mm -hmm. It was so interesting. And does it were, still exist? No. Oh. I mean, the, the house itself exists. Right. Someone else bought it. They're eradicating the, the huge mold issue and remodeling it and i think he wanted it to be a continuation oh, but yeah. since me too and all that stuff that's not it's gonna just, be a thing yeah that i can't even imagine the ghosts and i don't mean literal ghosts but just sort of the energy of all that's gone down in that place like yeah. uh, there's not enough sage in the world that you could burn there I, I know some of the rooms i like wouldn't even sit in like I in the bet. game the bedrooms in the game house and, uh. yeah <laughs> oh my gosh but sorry you were saying it felt important to tell the story and to have this healing for yourself yeah this is the book that i wish i had when i was 21 there was nothing like it when I was young and impressionable and didn't know myself. And I feel if you don't know yourself, it could be dictated to you by somebody else. And when it's given to you by someone else, it could also be taken away. So I think having your own power is really important. I hope young girls read this book. I think there are a lot of lessons and takeaways from it. Mm. And yeah, I thought it was really important to put out in the world. And once it's out and everything settles down, I will be <laughs> yeah. going. Deuces. It's been great, guys. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll go back to being calm after that. But I, I feel that right now it's really important to me to mm -hmm. show up. I want to ask about this because I feel like so many women especially cut themselves off from their intuition. And you must, you must have had feelings in your gut. You must have had a still small voice inside of you that there were moments in all of that time that where your inner knowing was like, oh, this is probably not where we should be. Do you remember those feelings? And I try and talk about it a lot, even when I'm telling my own stories, because I want to be really open about what it is to like cut yourself off from intuition. Like for me, I would ignore it, ignore it, ignore it, and then it would manifest in my body. Like I would, I would get sick or I'd start yeah. to have anxiety attacks, right? And I'm like, what's happening to me? And what I believe was happening was my body was trying to get my attention because I was ignoring the inner wisdom. Absolutely. When I was at the mansion, you know, that inner voice was trying to tell me something different for sure. And I just pushed it down, pushed it down and made that voice smaller, smaller, smaller mm -hmm. over time to where I could barely hear it. And now I'm trying to listen to it more because I feel it is my compass and every day it gets louder. And I, when I didn't listen to it, I did get sick. You know, I ended up with Lyme disease, breast implant illness, toxic mold exposure, all these oh. things. It eats at you emotionally. Yeah. But, but now just following, following that inner voice and listening to her and f having that compass is one of the best blessings I have in my life. Can I ask, when did you know that this was not the right path? 
when was your first red flag? And and this was your path. This was the life that you lived. Yeah, and so yeah. I believe everything happens how it happens and we make the best choices we can. But this goes back to this intuition question of like, yeah. when did you have the first instinct in if you were like being real and connected to that voice where you would have said, mm, this is not okay? Almost immediately going up the stairs that first night. You know, that voice like, this is weird. <laughs> this is yeah. not normal. Yeah. You know, there's a parade of girls going up and half going up and I'm just, this is weird. Yeah. And then I'm just like. Right. Shh, be quiet. <laughs> this is an experience. This, yeah. is, this is cool. You're at the Playboy Mansion. Shut up. <laughs> Do you think, you just said that and I thought, oh God, I've I've done this too. Where it's like, I would I would go forward with the experience because other people would think the experience was cool. Not necessarily because I felt good about it in the moment. Yes. Yeah. That's. Yeah. I mean, that's very true. Other people would think this is cool. I, I. That's yeah. That's part of finding myself as well. Because I'm like, oh, oh, I'm not into fashion, or I'm not into. I wear the same thing every day, but I need to buy better outfits. And yeah. I'm like, I don't like that. I don't care. Yeah. Why? Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 yeah. It's fed to you for sure, and so. That's part of following like your own intuition. Like, what do I like? Mm -hmm. Like, I like the same cardigan every right. day. Right. Like, I don't want to be uncomfortable. I hate heels. Right. Same, dude. <laughs> yeah, like... Same. I almost wore boots today because I was trying to be fancy. And I was like, no, I can't do it. Yeah, I get it. Mm -hmm. And honestly, Crystal, so many women, and I bet some men too, are going to resonate with the story. I resonate with your story. I freaking get it. I can absolutely imagine myself your age and a million percent the same thing where you're just mm -hmm. like, okay, I'll just keep following this path because I don't have a better one, right? Yeah. Like you said something that is so incredible. You said if someone else tells you who you are or if someone else gives you your identity, they can also take it away. Yeah. That, that is... That is real. And someone needed to hear that today. So I'm really grateful that you were this vulnerable and you let me ask dorky questions. They're great questions. Tell everybody where they can find the book. Tell everyone where they can find you on social media without being rude. And know that in you know two months, you're going to peace out and go live your best life on a farm. That's so cute. Uh, the book is called Only Say Good Things. Uh, surviving Playboy and Finding Myself, and you can find it everywhere that that sells books. And only say yeah. good things. Was that something you were told? Yes, I made a promise to have when he was older that after he passed, I would only say good things about him. And I I kept that promise for the first five years, mm. but now I feel that it's more important to tell the truth. Yeah. Thank you for that. This is not easy to do. Mm. I appreciate your honesty. Thank you. The Rachel Hollis Podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble. It's your time. Join global thought leader, executive producer, and New York Times bestselling author T.D. Jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other. At the 2024 International Leadership Summit, spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success. With world-class discussions, breakout sessions, and networking opportunities, this is where your dreams turn into reality. Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas, 
Register today at thisisils.org. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.